Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. V the Grill Economist coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News in the Morning. We have with us the man of the hour. He needs no introduction whatsoever. It's the one and only Vallas. The man who is the who is the dark lord of the deep state, giving you the play by play of what's going on behind the scenes. You can check him out on roguenews.com. Follow him over in the Discord. If you need a Discord link, email CJ or contact me or Velas. We will help you out. Um, and with that being said, what's going on, Velas? How are you, buddy? I'm fine, sir. How are you doing, B? Well, you know, I could be better. You know, I could complain. No, I have no complain. I, mean, I could I could complain, but who's going to listen? Right. I could be getting better margins, you know, but yeah. it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> exactly, man. Lots of things going on, fellas. Lots of things happening. I don't know where do you want to begin. Yeah, I, I a couple of, of housekeeping items and similar. The first is uh, clarification on last week's show. Uh, I was referencing the Baltics, not the Balkans. Uh, there was mm. someone who commented that might have been a Freudian slip on my part. I apologize. Um, the other thing is, uh, for all of you out there, just a reminder, um, if you go to your DLive or Twitch or Rumble channels, your channels of choice, you can configure those to send a notification to you when our show uh, is on. Uh, we're still, you know, working through some of the, the uh, plumbing here on the back end with the, with the Rogue website, but we've got new and exciting things coming out with the website. Yep. But just an awareness. And then, uh, you know, YouTube, we will... Uh, and I'll leave that to V to speak in more detail on that. I mean, we will be back on YouTube, but we're going to use that more like what Frank, quite frankly, uses it for, which is to just kind of let you know what's going on with the show yeah. and that it's out there. Uh, but we don't want to deal with the algos kicking us off anymore. Exactly correct, man. It's just uh, we'll be back on YouTube March 28th, folks. That is when the uh, the last strike should fall off by then, and that gives us some wiggle room to uh, go back and uh, do some limited streaming. It's a, it's going to be on a promotional basis. You guys need to get off of YouTube. Look, we're all lazy. Let's be admit, let's admit it. YouTube <laughs> is very convenient. It's so damn convenient. It's on the app. It alerts you the whole nine yards. And I also with the you know we're looking at Rumble. Rumble does have a live stream. Uh, it's like a couple, it's like a thousand or twelve hundred dollars a month or something like that. We're gonna, I'm gonna probably buy, go ahead and bite the bullet and 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 you know see if I get to call them in corporate and just pay it in advance for the year and just go ahead and just take care of that. And this way, if we need to live stream on the Rumble, we'll be there. But you know, Twitch is becoming a great, great little uh, thing. And Twitch app is uh, pretty easy to download. Um, and you know, we're not lost in the sauce here, so to speak, in terms of news channels, so which is a good thing. And also, D Live is as a right, but Twitch has been pretty strong here, it's been pretty strong. And then, of course, this is a, this broadcast is rebroadcasted when it's not live onto Rumble, onto roguenews.com, and, and Facebook, and everything else. Yeah, so you'll find us. Yeah, and I've you know, I've, I've made the comment to a number of folks on the Discord page. Um, I've used the Twitch notification in the past just to let me know. If, if the show was was taking place with Gus or whomever uh, on YouTube. Uh, but now, you know, and I do the same thing for Frank, and quite frankly, I've got various notifications pop up on, on my desktop. I mean, Frank's always on at 7 o'clock, but, but periodically he does something out of the blue. 
So it just kind of it kind of helps helps you keep an eye on it, you know. And and as we always say, I mean, we're we uh, I noticed we we I don't use the word fixed, but we we got the landing page for the Rogue News website a little a little dialed back into where it used to be. By that I mean you can go to the videos section, and now you know Gus has his section. I've got mine. Harley's got his. So you can go out there and find uh, that prior content. So um, Harvard professor and CNN contributor Juliet K M. Uh, Kayem, uh, she wants uh, draconian measures on the truckers in Canada and wants their tires slashed. Um, <laughs> These people are insane. She's what? also a, she's <laughs> also a former deputy director of Homeland Security, which I find shocking and terrifying at the same time. A lawyer, um, another lawyer, a lawyer. Um, just just you know my normal transparency, folks. I worked for Mack Truck for a number of years back back when I was doing my graduate school thing and. Uh, you know, I've got family that have worked in the trucking industry. I've got I've got friends from college who who went into the freight forwarding business and similar. So I know a lot about over the road trucks, class eight trucks, class seven trucks, and so on. So uh, to Juliet, I say, let me get my lawn chair and a beer uh, while I watch you slash a commercial tire at two hundred pounds of pressure while I'm wearing rain gear because there won't be much of you left when you cut that tire open. Um, any of you who've ever been out on on this nation's great highways and have ever seen a tire blow on a commercial truck, oh, Jesus, uh, you will find religion <laughs> when that no. happens. So uh, yeah. I, I love the stupidity of people who know nothing about anything. That's um, why, though. That's why it's like every, every time I'm on the highway, I see a semi tractor trailer. I hang back until space is opened up so I can just whiz by it as quickly as I, as I possibly can. It freaks me out when I see people you know, in, in a lane right next to the truck and they're riding right next to the trailer. I'm like, you people are morons. <laughs> so we've, we've got, and she's a CNN contributor on top of it. Um, you know, the inflation topic folks recently hit me in a way that, that I could feel and, and register and all of that. Um, I've been proactively pricing out a battery on one of my cars. I need a, a group size 25. It's one of the little square ones. And I was going to get one last year, but, but, you know, cold weather is always a good indicator that, that especially after you've had, uh, you know, three years or so on a battery, probably probably good time to go get another one. And uh, I <laughs> I went to AutoZone the other day, as well as a couple other places to price price out batteries of what I need and was uh, definitely caught by the sticker shock because about a year ago, it was 80 or $90 for the battery I needed. And as of my speaking to you, it's about 180 to 220 uh, depending good on Good God. God. So wow. there's your there's your lead cost, uh, and there's your manufacturing cost, and there's your supply chain cost. But I thought, boy, Ooh. when they turn up the prices on you slowly, like a frog being boiled uh, at your local grocery store, you may not be noticing it as much. But going, you know, and beyond my comment before about friends of mine in the manufacturing industry who can't even get their uh, uh, their their plants built because they don't have the the resources they need. Um, as you may have heard, Pfizer's projected earnings this year. Of 88 billion felt short, fell short of the 81 billion. Uh, yeah, fell short at 81 billion. They were projecting yeah. 88, and they had 81. And of course, the market pinged them for that. Um, and of that 81 billion dollars, 37 billion of the figure were coup inoculations. But not to worry, because in 2022, Pfizer just announced they're raising prices on 120 of their more popular drugs to shore up those revenue figures. Uh, oh, so to- loving. <laughs> yeah, I feel the love. Uh, yeah. I posted an article last night on the on the Velas page on Discord that's got that detail. Uh, Canada, uh, you know, hold the line, folks, and hang in there. Uh, isn't it funny 
that politicians of the United States and Canada are now violently concerned about the economic impact of the trucker blockade. Uh, that's <laughs> nuclear level hypocrisy, folks. Um, as I shared on a prior show, I personally traveled up to Niagara Falls, New York about a year or so ago. Um, I had to meet a family up there, member up there to go do something. And it looks like Mordor up there from Lord of the Rings. And <laughs> the reason was, you know, the sealing of the borders between Canada and the United States due to the, the coup. And, um, you know, certain vehicles can go through, but it was restrictive. Same thing with trains. Um, but a ton of businesses up there have already gone bankrupt. And I don't just mean, you know, because it's a, it's a touristy area. Um, literally boards on, on windows and stuff at the, the main hangouts there, right, where you, you're on the U.S. side of the border and you can see the, the falls, the waterfalls, and see Canada's big, big Canadian flag flying in the distance. So, yeah, a lot of the touristy businesses went under. But as I'm driving through there, I could see all of these uh, businesses with for sale signs and, you know, you can have this property for your business or whatever. And it was because of the restrictions and the impact caused. So the powers that be have locked up a $22 trillion global economy in the spring of 2020. But now we're deeply concerned about a segment of society uh, and the economy who are protesting and protesting effectively. Um, there's been a lot of back and forth, as some of you may have seen in the mainstream media, by people on the left uh, attacking the right for for their position on on uh, BLM and Antifa a year or so ago, uh, and now, but yet supporting uh, the truckers, which is a complete misdirection because we're talking about individual rights here, not not uh, the right to burn something down. Um, posted on the eighth uh, on Tuesday this week. Uh, an article with a, a bit more uh, detail about the Black Dust. That's on the, the Vela's page on Discord. Um, excellent program. My thanks to all of you on Discord for, for uh, sending me this uh, earlier this week. Again, on the Vela's page on Monday the 7th. Um, there's a program on Rumble uh, by the, the gentleman who does the Sergeant Report uh, about a woman who leveraged the whole public official bond liability topic and also known as surety bonds or surety liability insurance policies. Some states, as an awareness, they use a separate bond per the official, whether school official, government officials. Others use a blanket policy for all officials. But the point of that interview was they laid out the process very well, very clean, very easy to understand in the video about how you or someone you know, if you needed to take this approach in a battle you're fighting, here's how you do it. Uh, they also, uh, the group had set up a website called Bonds for the Win. Uh, this detail is all sitting on the Vela's page. And the Bonds for the Win page provides you kind of a step-by-step -step process. Now, again, remember, you know, the parties in question are not attorneys. I'm not an attorney. I'm not dispensing legal advice. Go do your own research. Go, go talk to legal counsel. And we've got some very good people on the Discord service who discuss every Sunday topics like this in the uh, the little meeting room we all meet in on, uh, I think it's six o'clock central, seven Eastern or somewhere in that time range. But anyway, um, it's a very effective method. It's a very um, legal way to deal with this. And, you know, it reminded me of uh, one of the lawyers I had working for me on a legal case I was in. It had nothing to do with my own professional license, but I needed that kind of lawyer with, with his kind of background. He's the kind of attorney you hire and again, it's one of those things that unless you've had to deal with this stuff, you're, you, you're a little fuzzy on it. Um, he's the kind of attorney that if you sue uh, any licensed professional, you're a financial uh, planner, uh, you're a doctor, 
uh, whatever it might be. Um, and somebody's coming after you by threatening your license. He's he's the attorney you hire to to protect you. And I needed his kind of expertise in what I was dealing with. And of course, you know, as as odd as this may sound, you do have attorneys out there that specialize in suing other attorneys. Although other attorneys don't <laughs> don't don't look uh, kindly on that. But that whole idea about and that's you know that's one of those things I've had to pass along to people I know in my private life is is if you're dealing with with people that are really going to play hardball in court. That's one of the ways they might try and deal with you is they'll try and find out if your line of work, your profession has any kind of uh, licensing or bonding or anything else that's that's necessary uh, to try and put pressure pressure on you through that through that means. And so this is perfectly legal, folks. I mean, but but it goes to the old thing about if you go into court, and you don't do it right. Well, then you're just talking about talking. But if you start filing injunctions or you start going to insurance companies saying, I'm calling in a claim and you have to, you know, they walk you through this in the article and on their website, you have to be very clear about what you're complaining about. But you do go to um, the insurance company and say, look, you've got a bond on this person and I think they've, they've caused harm and now we're dealing with money. And at a minimum, that tends to cause the rates to go up. So uh, again, ground zero of one of the areas that has really hit the news on this topic is, is Loudoun County, um, the school system there in Virginia. And a bunch of parents went in just uh, last week or so. Um, all of them had a ton of affidavits physically handed to them, you know, because they're handing it to the school officials while it's being filmed. Other people in the audience are filming it. The school system has to film it. Uh, but they did it one by one you know, rather than one big complaint to everybody, they went person by person. And yeah, I know it's a little snarky, but that's the world we're living in. So it's like, they, they pull this crap on us all the time. Let's, let's get it on. Um, v, can you pull up that picture I sent you? Oh, yes. The one of uh, Dr. Evil himself. Yes, Klaus. Klaus. Yes, this is, this is once again, proof that I'm not sure that, uh, Klaus Schwab is either a Bond villain from Spectre or just a plain old Sith. Um, I'll let I'll let me pull, pull that up and I'll continue on here with my, my stuff. Um, got a quote from the author C.S. Lewis. Um, C.S. Lewis is a very interesting guy. Uh, he and um, the author of the Lord of the Rings books uh, were actually close friends. And C.S. Lewis wrote books like Perlandra, Out of the Silent Planet, That Hideous Strength, you know, these were kind of more intellectual views on the nature of human beings and the spiritual and similar, whereas Lord of the Rings was was kind of a different take, but they both were really trying to communicate the same thing in the work. Yeah, I'm having some uh, trouble uh, pulling it up. It's not, no uh, yeah. It's on the thumbnail, though, of this of this show. It is on the thumbnail. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, and I may, I've got something else coming here in a minute that, that uh, I may be able to, to pull that up myself. So yeah. C.S. Lewis, he had been calling out the danger, you know, and he died in the early 60s. So, I mean, this is a man who was doing his thing in the early 20th century. And he had for years called out what he felt was the danger of what was known as scientism, uh, the corruption of science to inflict control. Absolutely. And, you know, this is a guy who'd lived through the era of Marxism, the science of Marxism, the science of racial engineering, the list goes on. And his focus was on what he felt was a lack of proper skepticism, whether it's science or magic. 
And that would be the, the beginning of bad things to come because there's been some folks out there. There's a lot of memes and things that have been flying around in the, in the alternative space where people are saying, you know, the scientific method is that you question things, not just that, well, it's the, I am science. So you have to go along with what I'm saying. I am science. <laughs> I am the walrus. Um, Don't question me, Senator Vand. Yeah, yeah, but again, folks, we're asking the wrong questions. I want to be the guy on the panel leaning forward going, and how many patents do you have? Exactly. Uh, Dr. Fauci, from which you're profiting directly off the, the events that have just occurred. And by the way, as I'm flinging this in my fingers as I'm sitting here on C-SPAN in front of you, here's a copy of The Village Voice, uh, certainly not a well-known conservative publication, criticizing you in 1988 for your treatment of the gay community in the United States and AIDS. But, you know. I Why would I want to get in, I was simply visiting the Chicago bathhouses for research purposes only. <laughs> so my, uh, my quote from C.S. Lewis is the following. And I quote, We have on the one hand a desperate need, a hunger, a sickness, and the dread of war. Mm. We have on the other the conception of something that might meet it or counteract it, omnipotent global technocracy. Are not these the ideal opportunity for enslavement? This is how it has entered before. There's a desperate need, real or apparent, in the one party, and then a power, real or apparent, arrives and says that they can relieve it. In the ancient world, individuals sold themselves as slaves in order to eat. So too in society. Here is a witch doctor who can save us from sorcerers. Here is a warlord who can save us from barbarians. And here is a church or a faith that can save us from hell. Give them what they ask and give ourselves to them bound and blindfolded. If only they will. Perhaps the terrible bargain will be made again. We cannot blame men for making it. We can hardly wish them not to. Yet we can hardly bear that they should. Now, again, this is a guy on the first half of the 20th century talking about technocracy which now is a term or a reference that's coming into popular um, discussion again, especially by George Friedman and others who've been warning about, we've got folks out there that believe that we're going to put everything in a binder and it's going to explain everything. And then that way you don't have to think anymore because we'll take care of it because of the science. I've got another C.S. Lewis quote for us on, on next week's show as well. Um, the United States, uh, $30 trillion in debt. Uh, you know how you make a digital economy possible? Uh, you reduce a country's currency to the point a digital currency is the only way to go. The saddest part to me about the U.S. debt is that as a percentage of our gross domestic product, the United States is now at 133% of GDP to debt. Uh, amusingly, Japan is at 257%. Yep. Lost decade. Here we come. <laughs> So I posted an article on the on the hashtag Bellas page on February 9th uh, with a lot of visuals and things from the the Visual Capitalist website, which had some uh, which had some good stuff there. Um, I'm going to try and share my screen, folks, again. So just bear, bear with me. Uh, let's see here. That's one of them. Feel like I'm trying to host a television program in the 1970s. We're trying to bring oh, here we shit. Go. Lucky he can uh, uh, borrow Tim Pool's cat. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tim is uh, running around hijacking cats, so it's possible. 
<laughs> or Klaus might get his uh, cat hijacked and uh, held for hostage and ransomed by Tim Pool. <laughs> the ransom of the cat. <laughs> um, so where are we right now? In the, in the net of my show, and by the way, uh, folks, I have been um, doing my best to start this week on Discord uh, on the Vels page. I'm going to try and let you all know what the topics are I'm covering, you know, a day or so in advance. Um, and what I'm covering today, I'm going to get in, you know, today is more like the current state. Next week will be, you know, what can we do about it? Um, so what's our current state as far as globalist planning is concerned? Because it's multifaceted and it's evolving and, and all that. Um, high level, we're moving on from COOF. But they're going to still try and leverage as much of that, you know, quote unquote, event as they can socially, economically, and legally. Now, in my opinion, the control that the pandemic provided certain governments is something they will fight to retain no matter what facts are present. You know, and it kind of reminds me of when I was working in Washington and Homeland Security was being stood up and I was working with the agency to get contracts and things straightened out, all that, because they didn't quite understand how to bid on things. Um, you know, there was this re realization very quickly among me and my, my retired executive colleagues that the idea of a large federal agency in Washington to help better manage uh, a lot of the, the security, border, Coast Guard, you know, and all the things that Homeland Security does, there had always been kind of a need to kind of pull a bunch of agencies under, under a central umbrella to better, to better manage everything. Of course, execution leaves a lot to be desired. But as, as DC people told me later, they said, you know, the problem with Washington though is the minute you come up with that kind of money and you start reorganizing agencies, nobody cares whether or not it works. They, they just care because they know there's no way you're ever gonna shut down Homeland Security. You know, I mean, like even the Farm Bureau and stuff that we did during the Great Depression, you know, you'll hear people say, well, we did, we have shut down agencies like those that were created during the depression. And that's not entirely accurate. They were actually consolidated into, you know, singular agencies. The government's played this game before. So when it comes to control and money and budget and span of control, governments around the world have a real hard time giving that back. And that goes for state governments. That goes for some of these mayors who have completely lost their marbles uh, <laughs> because it's like, well, I've got all this power now over my, my citizens and we can, you know, I got a bunch of academics standing around me who, who believe that we can manage human beings like a machine uh, and make things better. So, you know, they're moving towards the Great Reset and associated changes to the global economy. And they're going to leverage the same tools they did prior to the widespread disease outbreak in spring of 2020. And by that, I mean things like, you know, deep and, and thorough planning on how they're going to execute on various goals, uh, various organization meetings like the World Economic Forum, uh, the Aspen Institute, people forget about the Aspen Institute. That's okay. You got to, you know, study this crap a lot to know who some of the other players are there. And the, the normal boogeymen that, that there's been a lot of confusion and fear and uncertainty about them, but it's like they do do what they do. You know, the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, the Bilderberger Organization and similar. Uh, and many of these groups, their meetings and similar are not documented. You know, and if you've ever, I mean, I have, and there's a, there's a lot of wacky folks out there. And as I always say, you do you, you've got folks out there trying to get jobs as waiters and stuff at these big resorts in Switzerland or in Virginia, whenever the Council on Foreign Relations or the Bilderberger groups are getting together to do their thing, to try and get some inside intel on what the heck's going on in there. Yeah. Um, 
But these groups, you know, and and, and uh, I mentioned before an organization called AFCEA, A-F-C-E-A. They're one of the many defense industry groups whose meetings I used to attend. And, you know, some of those were eye-opening in the sense of, holy God, I can't believe there's this many people trying to sell technology to law enforcement. Uh, some of those meetings were, were eye-opening, like the one I told you about in Colorado Springs, where folks are sitting on a panel going, well, we all agree that the number one problem is, is there's too many people on the earth. The question is how to get rid of them. And I'm like looking around going, shouldn't we close the doors maybe? <laughs> I don't know that you guys want to say this out loud. They're saying the quiet parts out loud, man. <laughs> well, is he there? Well, Oops. We... Yep, yep, oh. yep. Um, had a cough. <coughs> you want so, to take a sip? You want some all right. Water? You good? Okay. So this is, you know, policy think tanks exploring what-if scenarios, mm -hmm. lengthy academic papers justifying, you know, their response. All built around... <clears throat> God, bear with me. I can hear it now. Mm. You have the you have the Hillary cough, man. It's a it's it's going around right now. Anybody who is uh, exposing what is happening on the geopolitical scale is randomly coming down with the with the Hillary cough. They got fellas. They got fellas. They, they got you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so they're exploring various what if scenarios. You know, so we've got all these lengthy academic papers justifying what the response to scenarios should be, how we're going to buy off or blackmail key government leaders, rinse and repeat. But at its core, we're talking about proposing a complete reordering of what we've known as modern economics for the last 200 years. Sure. So whether free market economies or socialist have been used by countries in the past, this new model is completely different. And I'm oversimplifying, it's been said by many, it's global feudalism. <clears throat> And it's global feudalism based on a usage-based system of pay as you go. You don't need to own anything. You just pay as, as you're leveraging or using various resources. Instead of software as a service, it's life as a service. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, because <clears throat> for folks in, in my industry, everybody, you know, we, we often talk about what we call SaaS, capital S, lowercase a, a, capital S. But that's funny. That's, that's, uh, Lias or whatever we want to call that, a, a life as a service. Last life as a service. That's exactly what it is. I mean, think about it. I mean, folks. I mean, I, I, it's coming to the to the the retail space for the general public where Microsoft is like, you know, instead of just having a Windows operating system that's preloaded on your computer, how about you just pay for your operating system a few dollars per month and everything and and all the software instead of everything's a subscription. So your life as a it's not life as a service. It's life as a subscription, even better. Well, and I, I can tell you from personal experience, folks, the other the other thing that goes along with that, at least in, in just general day-to-day -day business and commercial worlds, is if you get any kind of screw-up in your financials as far as, and I've seen this happen to companies, where they pay their bills through a different banking account or similar, and it switches. So because the billing is no longer like once a year and you've paid for something, you know, on a contract or whatever, and now it's just monthly based on who's using what and how much of it. If those accounts stop working, it's amazing how fast you'll see an entire business go down where it's like now Outlook is not working. You can't send email or your uh, sales management system has gone down or whatever it might be. And 
you'll always have the mad scramble of people opening trouble tickets trying to find out is it the system is it the connections is it at&t any of us who've been around for a while we're we're the ones going i'd actually call the finance department and make sure they didn't do something wacky with the with the accounting because that's probably what may have just caused that to shut down but i've also talked on other shows you know i've worked for a number of employers uh as well as clients of mine who've switched to sales models, which are usage-based services. You're not buying a package of software anymore. You're just, you know, we, we go through the cloud and we add your users and this, that, and the other. And it's a lot faster. You've still got to, you know, figure out what the customer needs and make sure it's, it's set up properly. But the firms for whom I worked, because it's me, I would always sit there looking at the sales reps or the marketing people privately and ask them and say, this is a pretty good model on how we're switching from our old revenue model to this new one. Um, and there's a number of books out there too that are on this topic. Um, there's one that's very popular in this space called customer success. And it explains how your business switches from sales reps to actually what they call engagement managers, because you need to un understand more of your client end to end. And there's kind of a whole shift in how you do this. But in every case, either my customers or the firms for whom I was working, I kept hearing the same answer, which was, well, we've been working with McKinsey or Boston Consulting or Bain and Company on these approaches for some time. And of course, my first thought was, because I also worked in, in high-end government consulting, was is those consulting firms didn't just pull these recommendations out of thin air. Um, you know, and the other, we'll get to that in a minute, but I mean, the bigger element in this new economic model is your private ownership of assets and wealth will be greatly reduced. And of course, you know, not to go poli-sci international affairs, paranoia 101, but the less you own, the less you're going to be able to control your own life and your own decisions because it's global feudalism. You're, you're reporting to your feudal lord, whoever that may be or whatever that may be. And this also means that as part of this whole current state we're in, they're going to launch a process of re-education globally to support this model. And I've already been picking up on articles lately that just like clockwork, you can set your watch by it. All of a sudden, The Economist, uh, you know, the BBC, as well as American institutions and others are all now publishing these articles about what, what you know, the nature of work is going to look like and you're going to want to embrace this and this, that, and the other. But this also means they're going to continue to attack institutions who provide meaning in people's lives as they've been doing for the past 150 years. Now, this is where I have to tip my hat to Matthew Arrett. Matthew can get into those topics at a much deeper level than I can. But I've spoken of it before, that this, this goes back to the revolutions in 1848 in Europe that, quote unquote, broke out simultaneously all over. Um, and there's a lot of rumors about why that was and how that was. But, but over the past 150 years, we keep seeing this over and over again. There's attacks against religion. There's attacks against family, against national or country identity. Uh, against the military, particularly in the case of the United States in the past year. And any notion of egalitarianism has to be replaced because you're not part of anything. You're just a cog in what it is. So prepare yourselves for the onslaught, both, both uh, visible and at times subtle, to justify this model. And equally important, when we look at the completely un unglued response of late by the media to Joe Rogan, uh, alternative media sources like us here at Rogue News, uh, independent researchers, especially in medicine, and the list goes on. Those aren't the acts of people who are in power. I mean, if you read the Chinese tactician Sun Tzu or, or similar types of, of work, 
people who get this unglued are not in control. People who get this unglued are terrified of they're they're losing their they're not only losing control, they're losing what was their perception of control. Um, if you need a, a very vivid example of this, please go watch any of the Canadian government meetings who've been on TV of late, or you can go find on YouTube, or certain alternative folks have been covering you know snippets of this, where Justin Trudeau is being attacked by people in his own political party. There were some people both on the liberal side of their government, as well as on what one would call the conservative side of their government, who were making such uh, erudite statements, I'm like writing those down because I'm like, ooh, that's good. I hadn't even thought of that. Um, so for the people for whom Trudeau answers, because it's not Trudeau, but I mean, I said this on a prior show. I mean, he's he's hiding out in a bunker calling the London Corporation and others saying, I, I need help, you know. And I can joke as I did at the beginning of the show about people who are making comments about slashing truck tires, but I mean... The other thing, too, about a lot of those trucks is they're not just the tractor trailers. They've got the, the, the trailers with them as well. It's not just the, the truck. They've got trailers attached. In some cases, they've got uh, trailers that have got fluids in them, not necessarily fuel, but it, it could be liquids or whatever. Again, I, I've had, you know, not a lot, but I've had enough experience in, in the transportation industry and in the trucking industry for that matter, just working with the Department of Defense of the United States when it comes to us moving tanks and trucks and stuff around and spare parts to various parts of the world where we have operations. It takes a lot to move that much rolling stock out of there. I mean, they've it's, it's a blockade. And yeah. it was said by somebody, I was commenting on Discord the other day, and I don't know where I picked this up originally, but, but somebody had made the comment that if you really look at what the truckers in Canada are doing, it's actually a very well-known naval strategy. Hmm. You know, they didn't, they didn't put all their assets just in Ottawa. I mean, they're blocked in Western Canada where there's food shipments that are blocked. Uh, then the big one, you know, they're blocking the, the bridge there between Detroit and, and Canada. Yep. Uh, so if you remove them out of, say, Alberta, you're, you're not freeing up Ottawa. If you try and deal with them in Ottawa, you've still got the bridge in Detroit. And... Again, these fool, you know, and the other thing that's come out lately is, is you know, the they judge in Canada ordered law enforcement to return the fuel that they'd stolen from the truckers. And then the truckers, um, fortunately, again, some of our folks on Discord had family up there that were talking about this on the Discord page. And then it came out in the news again later yesterday. You know, the, the fuel has been spiked. They put stuff in it to ruin the engines and stuff oh, of, of the drivers. And, you know, the Canadians are threatening, the uh, government is threatening to call in uh, child services because a lot of the drivers have their families with them. Um, this is such heinous evil on a grand scale. It sickens me. It sickens me. It, it is. And, and, you know, again, it's hard to say remove the emotion from the conversation. But, but because of the work I've done and what I've done and all that, this is a real chin rubbing moment for me because it's like when you look at a country like France, you could have their drivers or, or as they call them in the UK, the lorry drivers tie up the roads, but their trucks in a lot of cases are smaller. But the one thing that will get the French government's attention is when the farmers have all their tractors blocking the road. Why? Well, two reasons. One, it takes a certain skill set to drive those things. You can't just grab somebody out of French law enforcement and say, well, hop in the cab and, and drive that tractor. That's that's not how that works. 
And but the other know. thing is, is it's the subtle aspect of the fact if those farm tractors are sitting on roads blocking Paris, they're not in the field farming. Right. And French, <laughs> again, you got to understand people's psychologies and the histories of their countries. The French have a very big deal about starvation because the French know their own history. And what really led to the French Revolution? Well, the wheat food. crop went bad. Yep. And so they, they had no sources of food. Let them eat uh, and, cake. Yes, and they hadn't, they hadn't uh, migrated to potatoes the way other countries did because for the French culturally, you know, uh, bread was, was uh, more akin to the culture and they weren't switching over to potatoes the way other countries were doing just because it was easier to do. So for France, anytime you start reminding the national populace about national starvation, that, that will get their attention. Uh, the same way in certain South American countries, the military suddenly appearing on the streets uh, will get everybody's attention because they remember the 70s and the 80s when a whole lot of gnarly crap went down. So for a country as vast as Canada, and especially to have drivers who have driven all the way from Western Canada to Eastern Canada in the snow, <laughs> all those drivers are not moving cargo. Right. And it's, it's, it's going to hit. And then the other thing too, especially in Ottawa, is this is going to start riling up Quebec again. And oh, that's another, yes. That's another thing that for many Americans who, who, and again, I'm not criticizing folks. It's just, you know, you do you. And I mean, some of this stuff is so um, kind of meticulous. If it isn't your thing, uh, you just you just don't know this stuff. You know, the Canadians, and again, I got to tip my hat to Matthew Eric. The Canadians have had a long troubled history of trying to kind of come to national reconciliation with, with Quebec, because I mean, Quebec, Quebec or Quebec is, uh, you know, I often used to tell my stepkids, I said, there's, there's two rather amusing French experiences in the United States. You have the French speaking people of Louisiana who are kind of monarchist French because of how they got here. Then you have the Napoleonic uh, kind of French Republic French up in Canada. And they're, right. they're kind of like like time capsules of the French experience, depending on when those those French-speaking people came to those, those areas. But <clears throat> back in the 1990s, I mean, it got real serious, real serious, because, I mean, I remember talking to people at Homeland Security many years later telling me, hey, we were having conversations with, with Canada's Western provinces who were just saying, look, if Quebec bails, we're out. We're out. Uh, we hate Eastern Canada. We don't get along. It's kind of like you guys there in the States. Western United States doesn't really like Washington for a number of reasons. And we would rather join or become protectorates of, of the Western United States. So, anywho, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, so, yeah, we've got the response to Rogan and others. Um, and there's, there's acts of desperation, if you will, on a certain level. By some of these government officials and desperation can be good or bad depending on how you want to look at it but desperation often makes governments act irrationally um you look at espn for instance yeah espn has proven that bleeding money on a level never seen before in cable entertainment is acceptable to the powers that be as long as espn is pushing a social narrative they want it's insanity but because you know if you do if you do the research ESPN is is really dragging down Disney's numbers hard. 
And yep. a lot of people have asked, well, why? It's like, well, if you're watching ESPN from 10 years ago versus now, you can kind of figure out why that is. Um, the viewership across the board, though, for news programs, reality TV show content, or regular TV show content, list goes on, um, the viewership's plummeting. And that does have them concerned. Because if you're not watching ESPN, which is kind of what they want, because it goes back to anything that gives you a sense of identity other than the one they want you to have, whether that's religion or otherwise. Um, so if you stop watching sports, that's just fine with them, because then you're kind of giving up on something that gives you identity, and they're perfectly fine with that. But when you stop watching everything, uh, that does have them concerned, because it means no one is listening. So right. hang on. So... Where we're going with this is this is long distance diligence. And this is a long distance conflict. I know I've said many times, this is a distance race. And case in point, we get a Supreme Court decision in our favor, but we still have schools enforcing mask mandates on the orders of the NEA, among others. And just yesterday, we had film that came out about a New York law enforcement dragging a dad out of a school meeting because he wasn't wearing a mask. And then we have the events in Loudoun County, Virginia, which has been very much going back and forth. You have a governor who is somewhat suspect, however. He's told all the school districts in Virginia, I want these mask mandates pulled. And as I've said several times, Loudoun County is, is ground zero. Loudoun County is, is the front <laughs> in the war uh, in, many, in many respects, because it's a very wealthy area. It has people living there who um, work in the Beltway and so on. So parents are now fine-tuning their battle tactics. And as I said earlier, you know, they're, they're going with the bond route as a way to apply pressure. Oh, yeah. Which, of, which of course, the powers that be resent. How, how, how dare you use our own tactics against us? Um, parents in Virginia have now learned, and other, other parents out there in other school districts are learning how to work with advocacy groups, um, you know, using, using various other techniques they can use, hadn't considered before, uh, legally and otherwise. And they're driving up costs in many ways. And that's catching people's attention. Uh, and those tactics can be used, whether with school boards, local government, corporations, the list goes on. And, you know, it kind of reminds me when I got my uh, concealed carry license, um, the guy who was my instructor, <coughs> he made a comment to everybody where he said, those of us that are fighting for uh, individual right to own firearms, we're new at this, you know, and he was very blunt. He said, we, we aren't activists from the sixties. That wasn't our thing, yeah. but he goes, we're, we're learning, you know? And so he was advising people on how to know the law, uh, for God's sakes, never using lethal force unless you absolutely had to, or you, you know, keeping a stun gun on your person, especially if it's in your home, because for anybody who's ever shot a gun in an indoor firing range, I mean, it's just so much louder than it is if you're outdoors. So sometimes a stun gun would work better but understanding how to de-escalate conflict. But if you did find yourself in a problem, here's what you need to know. And, and here's, here's what you do. So we have average citizens who are learning how to be more effective in their tactics and their organizing and organizing. But the other side, and that's several layers. <coughs> you have the people that are the foot soldiers on the ground. Some of these school systems or local governments or the, the very popular topic of the district attorneys. But the people who are funding them have invested everything in this vision. So they're not gonna, they're not gonna go quietly. 
And, and this is just going to, you know, for every action, there's a reaction. So, you know, we see GoFundMe. Well, we set one up. And then the government of Canada says the truckers are terrorists. So, so we're going to give the money to BLM. So then people put pressure on GoFundMe. And we have U.S. states investigating GoFundMe for fraud and similar. So they give the money back. We have people here in the United States saying they were going to organize for similar truck-type protests. They originally right. go on Facebook. Facebook drops the site. U.S. organizers find better methods, adapt, overcome, and press on. But like a lot of things, you know, this reminds me of corporate governance, you know, where I've worked and had to advise firms about <coughs> tactics they take in corporate operations where I'm like, you know, this is project or program management 101. What's your back out strategy? That's one of the hardest things to get in people's minds when they're spending a lot of money on something that they're very invested on getting done inside a government agency or inside a, a corporation. My job, fortunately or unfortunately, is, is I'm often the person saying, but what are you going to do if this fails? How do you back out? You know, it's like, well, we, but we can't. It's like, you may have to. What, what are you going to do? And it's kind of the same thing here. People are getting better organized in this long distance race we're in. But at the same time, again, I'm trying to not make this sound insulting, folks, but it's like you have to understand the nature of conflict. You know, you can either go with Chinese warfare for the past 3,000 years, which is just I'm going to annihilate the other side and erase them from history. Or you can go with what's been going on in most Western nations for the past several hundreds of years, which is warfare is just a very form of controlled argument. And it's the same thing here. The body politic of people are putting pressure, heavy pressure in lots of ways, because these changes they're trying to create are causing reactions. But equally, all of us have to keep in mind, how do we step back? We don't, we don't want this stuff getting out of control. You know, I don't want to see people start getting arrested at school board meetings or similar. And that's why, you know, as the old saying goes, you got to be respectful. You got to know how to follow the rules. You got to know what the consequences might be. If you, you know, it's the age old saying of you have the freedom to do X, but there's going to be a consequence and you got to be prepared for that. This also leads us into the nature of, of work. And that's part of the great reset as well. Uh, we're going to have to keep an eye on the workplace. We're going to have to keep an eye on our loved ones. Um, if you dig into Klaus Schwab and others in the transhumanism world, they've openly stated where they want to see this go. You'll hear phrases and a focus on what's known as Industry 4.0. You'll hear it's sometimes called the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Um, you'll hear the term Internet of Things, but to me that's more of a, like, it's in the neighborhood, but it's, it's not its own standalone. And, and these are all about very real changes in how products are developed and managed, uh, or even in some circles, you know, in academia, it's it's how does government become more effective, which I know is kind of an oxymoron, but anyway. Um, the net of it is, is for many people, they wanna shift work away in the global economy from a regular job to work as you go. And so for, you know, all of these consulting firms that were advising companies for whom I worked, um, where did they receive their content? on this? Where did Boston Consulting and McKinsey and others get all this detail on advising corporations? I'm not saying it was handed to them and they went out, but I'm saying their own research let them know that when these high-end consulting firms were advising major and medium-sized corporations and government agencies, where'd that come from? Well, it came out of the World Economic Forum, among others. Uh, they even cite Klaus Schwab by name. That's straight out of Wikipedia. 
they also identify that this new economic model is, is more heavily focused on artificial intelligence, gene editing, advanced robotics that re reduce boundaries between the physical and the digital and the biological. I mean, I worked with, with firms that use the term that's called digital twin, mm -hmm. which means you have an actual working version of the motorcycle out there on the track, and you're equally looking at it in real time on a display screen, and it's telling you where the friction points are. Absolutely. With, which of the possible replacement uh, parts that you have that you could use to yep. improve its functionality. Now that's all good stuff. It is. The danger is, is when you say, you know, Hey, I can start eliminating whole jobs out of the workforce. That's going to be kind of a problem. So <clears throat> this nature of work change we're dealing with this gig economy, as they call it. And, you know, to quote, you can enjoy the benefits of micro work or work as needed. Now that might be good for high school students or college students or certain people that, that, you know, the way they live their life, that makes sense. But if you're 30, 40, 50 years of age or older, that's another matter because there's no benefit structure with these jobs and retirement can get a little harder unless of course, say it with me, you're relying on, on more and more on government benefits. And these types of jobs are popping up a lot now. It's not just Grubhub and Instacart picking up fast food or groceries and delivering them to you. Um, and the you know term that's used is independent contractors for the people that work for these firms. But you have companies like TaskRabbit. They'll go assemble your Ikea furniture if you don't want to mess with it. Yeah. Um, there's a company called Rover. They provide dog walkers, bellhops who help pack your things and help you move, whether it's you as a person or small business or whatever it might be. There's a company called Education First. They provide online tut tutoring for your kids. So we got to keep an eye on the industries and news this year and beyond. As we start looking to see, do we start seeing widespread attempts to move more AI or robotics? You'll hear calls more and more these days to say, hey, uh, we want to reshore. Uh, that's the term that's being used. Um, when I was working with firms that, that offshore jobs back in the, the 90s and early 2000s, they kind of tended to use what they called nearshoring which meant you're a U.S. company and you're using assets in Mexico or Canada rather than in the United States to, you know, save with me, save money, or offshoring to, to the low-cost leader. Now there's discussion of what they call reshoring, which is, well, we got to bring certain kinds of manufacturing back to the United States. Well, there's a couple problems with that, which we've covered here on the show, which is the resources and the, the uh, supply chain impacts are slowing down some of those, those plant builds and similar. But... What I'm looking at, what I've been keeping my eye on is, is that for any of these firms that are trying to restart manufacturing in the United States, or at least small production runs of certain kinds of manufacturing, how much of that is going to have less of a human element in the manufacturing process? How much of it is going to be more robotics run and similar? And as I talked about this media campaign to kind of communicate to people, uh, this is all normal and you should just get used to it. Um, I posted on Sunday, February 6th on Discord, a BBC article about the article covered perceived and real frustrations people have with their jobs these days and what constitutes meaningful work and the nature of work and virtual work and on and on and on. And that this is the way things are going to be, that this is a full-blown change in office environments and jobs we have. And that's when things get subtle because it's like, well, are you just talking about the nature of those changes or are you encouraging everybody to go out and walk a dog? What, you know, what's, what's your plan here? So in next week's show, I'm going to get more into, you know, your personal life and planning.
because yeah. you know having a plan is always a lot easier than just trying, trying to wing it. And you know, does your plan kind of, if you will, I'm used to producing a lot of material in my in my work that's bullet pointed. So it's like you know, here's a heading, and it's like okay, uh, here's our personal finances. Next heading down, uh, electronics in the house. You know, do do we need different kinds of VPNs? Do we do we need uh, you know um, a Faraday bag for cell phones or whatever? How far do you want to take that? The other thing too is is again, folks, we have the resources page, you know, hashtag resources page on Discord. There's a ton of stuff in there. In fact, V and I were just talking yesterday that that um, during my current free agency, uh, I may need to go in there and, and kind of reorganize that and maybe post some of that stuff um, on the Rogue News site because we've got a lot of good stuff. But as the old saying goes, it's it's all over the place. I mean, we've got websites that are really helpful depending on what you know that are kind of non traditional that can help you do things you may not know that you can do online, uh, various suggestions about your internet browsers and how to protect yourself and similar. Got other stuff on there on prepping and similar. Um, but I need to I need to go in there and kind of own that and go go try and uh, clean that up. Uh, the other thing too is, is is frankly, you know, the Discord page itself, folks, we've we've had a lot of discussions going on out there and we've got these kind of impromptu um, you know internet protocol IP uh, conference calls where folks just plug a, a series of headphones into your computer or just use the speakers on your computer and use the Discord uh, meeting room option and folks just kind of have been getting together and talking about various things, which is awesome because it means this is organic and everybody's kind of looking out for, hey, I'm trying to do the following. Does anybody here know how to do that, et cetera, uh, rather than, than maybe some more uh, traditional sources. The other thing, too, is, you know, there's people like John Singleton. Uh, he's been on Rogue before. And I know some of John's content, you know, folks are like, man, I don't really get where this guy's coming from. For other people, it's like, yeah, this is this is very helpful. But, you know, Singleton's got a lot of suggestions on things that are changing out there. And that's the other part of this, too, is, is that we're not prisoners to what's going on. Uh, you know, you can take control of the situation. But, you again, as I always say, you're, you're going to have to plan and you're going to have to research and know. And that's part of what we're trying to do here at Rogue is keep everybody up to speed on, on where that is. So I'm going to get into that in a little bit more detail next week so my final piece for this week is uh, this week's song of resistance uh this is a uh an old white russian uh song about our our fight with the reds uh back home in russia so so v if you'd be kind enough to play that Yeah. 
I always like how that song goes goes soft uh, at the end there. And, and yeah. Texas, Texas Tom Payne <laughs> was slopping <laughs> me just through the Adidas track pants over my cowboy boots. I love that. Dude. <laughs> um, and also, there was one other out there. Was it John Michael? Uh, one of y'all was talking about Gandhi and the Salt. Mm. Uh, that's a real good one. Uh, and funny, it's funny too because the movie Gandhi was on cable recently, and I, I did I did catch some of that. Um, you know, and that the I don't even know that the movie really captured um, uh, the true sadisticness of of what was going on. That the British government banned and f forbid Indian citizens to go to the sea and make their own salt. You had right. to purchase salt from approved British manufacturers. So there, there was this big deal about Gandhi led this big walk down to the sea and people started making their own salt. The British tried to bust it up. And then there yep. was this horrific episode where uh, people of all backgrounds in India just kept walking into lines of guards around this one big salt manufacturing facility. Uh, and they were, they were horribly beaten and harmed uh, from that act. But, and again, I don't want to say that, that, you know, there are many forms of nonviolence or many forms of violence for that matter, but that thing about the salt, I mean, it's like, holy God, you know, cause I mean, salt is a critical part of your diet. It's not just for flavoring. I mean, without, without that in your body, you start getting goiter and stuff. So, yep. um, this is, this is, I'm not trying to overplay it, but you know this this term that's used, and I had it there on the the little graphic I showed earlier about the Great Awakening. I mean, it's it's like the thing about about what is the real meaning of the word alchemy. You know, alchemy yeah. to some people is is how do I uh, transmutate um, less valuable metals into gold or or more valuable metals, but for others, alchemy goes back to um, the Christian church in Egypt and even further back into, into Egyptian belief systems, which is that alchemy is the transition of a human being from who you are into a more enlightened state. And, you know, I certainly learned this lesson many times in my life. Sometimes discovering things about yourself and discovering things about the world you live in is, is a hard call. Um, so hang in there, you know, as I often say each week, don't, don't, <coughs> Don't get depressed. Take a long walk. Take a page out of CJ's book. You know, maybe maybe you need to get off the booze for a month <laughs> or go to the gym more. Uh, but but hang in there, everybody. I've got another song for us next week. It'll probably be the Estonian, uh, the the uh, the brothers of the forest Estonian uh, song. So uh, anyway, um, I'm good here. V, how about yourself? No, excellent program, my man. Excellent program, folks. There's a lot to digest here, and I always recommend after every single Vela's program, first of all, before you even start listening to Vela's, make sure you get your notebook out, jot down some notes, have it handy with you, and come back and listen to it again because there's always going to be something you missed. There's going to be a detail that you're going to preen out of this broadcast that's going to connect, and I'm telling you right now, it's a, it is a, a chock full of information, an absolute smorgasbord of data, it's wonderful. And as the days fall off the calendar, you're going to see a lot of the things that Velas is putting together, the, the, the work that he has done. And as the days are going off the calendar, you're going to see this tapestry of interlocking events that are all going to start making sense. And you're going to see a bigger, broader picture. And that's what's important about shows like this, folks. So keep it locked right here at roguenews.com. Rogue News on Twitch, Rogue News on um, every single podcasting app except for YouTube at the moment. 
But uh, we will be back, and uh, make sure you like the fellas. Any last things you want to say? No, I'm good, everybody. I'll be back next week. Have a good have a good week, everybody, and try and stay safe with the the Super Bowl and everything. I I was right. watching. Yeah, I totally it. forgot. I don't even know who's playing. Who's playing? It's it's the Cincinnati Bengals versus uh, the LA. Oh, Rams. your hometown team, brother. Uh, well, somebody <laughs> somebody had on Mike Payne's show, uh, show just yesterday. I had to laugh. You know, it's 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 some guy. You can hear the truck idling in the background, and he's like, "Hey, Mike Payne, I don't know if you know this or not." He's like, "But I live here in this part of Southwest Ohio, and and uh, the schools are all closing on Monday." And he's mm. like, "Because the teachers are probably all going to have a hangover and can't come into work." So. Yeah, probably. But it's 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 also like it is when it comes to New Year's, everybody. I mean, you're going to have people on the road who may have been drinking, so just kind of uh, be careful. And and Hobo Sermons Harley is remind me yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's going to be on Monday. Harley can't make it today; he's uh, jammed down with work, but he'll be on Monday with us. And folks, we folks we get it. We're we're uh, we're working on better notification. Let you, I mean, like you know, Gus is on Wednesdays usually, and Matthew Aaron's yeah. got the Tuesday afternoon spot. Uh, but we're we're working on it. I mean, we 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 know it's a little a little wonky, but but yep. we're getting there. Yep, we will be uh, soon. We'll be running efficiently like a German European train station, my friend. <laughs> and with that being said, we are over and out. Enjoy your weekends.